Welcome to another episode of Search News You Can Use with me, Dr. Marie Haynes. As I'm recording this, I've just finished giving my talk to SMX Germany. So if my voice sounds a little strained, I've been doing a lot of talking lately. I'm recording this on Wednesday, March 17th, although it won't be published for you to listen to until Thursday. And uh, we've also changed our newsletter publishing date to Thursday. So if you're used to getting our newsletter on Wednesday, uh, we're taking an extra day now because many of the team were making superhuman efforts to get this out on Thursday or Wednesday. So now we'll get this in your inbox on Thursday morning. And this episode corresponds with the search news you can use uh, newsletter episode number 175. You can find that at mariehaines.com slash newsletter. I'm going to sound a little bit like a broken record here. I mean, if broken records were constantly talking about Google updates. <laughs> Once again, we've had another significant yet unannounced Google update. And it's really hard to pinpoint what Google's been doing lately because there are so many different changes that we could analyze. So in this episode, I'm going to talk about March 11th to 13th as a potential update that we should pay attention to. I'm going to get you up to speed on what you need to know in terms of Google's recent changes with featured snippets. We had some things happen that got reversed. Maybe it's hard to say. And also I'm going to share some very interesting information that I read in an article from Jason Barnard on uh, Google's knowledge graph. There are some very interesting points. And I think that a lot of the turbulence that we've seen over the last few weeks may be connected to things that are happening with the knowledge graph. Before I go much further in this episode and get lost in my thoughts on what Google's doing, we do have a sponsored message for this podcast this week. Uh, I'm going to share with you about Sitebulb, the website auditing tool that never stops innovating. You're just uh, Here's just a few of the new things that they've added in the past year. Uh, site-wide structured testing, raw versus rendered comparison reports, scheduled and recurring crawls, an internal link explorer to explore every link relationship across your site, which is really good. We've used Sitebulb uh, for internal link analysis on a few sites. Point and click content extraction, advanced content search, advanced Google Sheets integration, and a lot more. So if you want to give Sitebulb a try for free, you can get an, a special extended trial license by using the code search news you can use if you go to sitebulb.com slash search news all one word. All right, let's get into Google algorithm updates. So Google definitely did something significant starting March 11th and ending around March 13th. I think it's possible that some of what we're seeing is connected to featured snippet changes, which I'm going to talk about in a minute. But we have clients affected where I really can't see featured snippets being connected to their issue. I did spend a few hours looking into sites that improved around this time, um, a couple that declined as well. Uh, most of our clients that improved saw changes March 12th. But once again, this seems to be just another update where Google got a little bit better at understanding relevancy and elevating websites that do a good job at meeting searchers' needs. So normally an update of this magnitude, the March 11th to 13th, whatever Google did, normally this would be one that I'd be spending several days analyzing. Uh, but one of the things that we found with all these recent updates is that 
analyzing them doesn't always get us any closer to coming up with recovery advice that helps everybody. So in the past, I talked about this a lot last week. I, I made all of my staff listen to last week's podcast episode and we had a big long discussion on it because in the past, if you were hit by Panda and we, we could give some really general advice on how to clean up thin content. And maybe we could talk about duplicate content, uh, but thin content really was the area to go after. And if you were hit by Penguin, we've published loads of stuff over the years on how to know which links are the problem and which links to disavow and whether or not disavowing is necessary now. But if you were hit by the December core update, or maybe one of the more recent unannounced but significant updates, which I'm going to go through all these dates in a minute, there really is no general advice we can give other than be better than your competitors, which is not very specific at all. So because I know not all of you have listened to every single podcast episode I've produced, I'm going to recap the days on which we think Google ran something significant recently. So something big happened on January 27th of 2021, and it was really hard for us to see this because so many sites were affected that same week by bot traffic in Google Analytics. So if you have a massive spike in Google organic traffic, and for most sites that were affected, it was January 31st, but many sites were affected in the following week as well. It's hard to see that there was actually, uh, whether there was a traffic change on another day that's significant uh, if you have this bot traffic. So for a lot of the sites that were affected January 27th, we really didn't notice until we started looking at traffic a week or so later and realized that we got distracted by the interference from the bot traffic. Next, February 6th was a day where lots of sites saw changes. And once again, we couldn't find any obvious pattern in the types of sites affected, other than to say that when we looked at which pages were elevated above any of our clients that suffered with this update, we can see very clearly that the page that was elevated is better for users. So let me give you an example. Uh, we're looking at one of our clients right now who ranked really well previously for people who wanted information on a particular medical issue. And with recent updates, those rankings have shifted just a couple of places, and that can make a huge difference in traffic. So what we've been doing lately is using both Ahrefs and also SEMrush to get an idea of what the SERPs looked like before a Google update and then also after. And yes, there are going to be variations because SERPs can change from day to day. But what we're looking for is examples of keywords that ranked really well for some period of time and then very clearly stopped ranking as well after Google ran an update of some sort. We had a lot of clients see nice improvements, but also several that did not. And in most of the SERPs that we analyze, it really does not look like Google demoted our client, but rather they promoted another site above ours. So if our client was ranking, say, number three, a new site that used to rank maybe on the bottom of page one somewhere in the, you know, from position five to 10 or so, is now ranking at number three, and our client has been pushed down to number four. Again, this medical client of ours had a particular page that dropped from number three to number four for a really, really important query. So we put ourselves in the shoes of a searcher who had typed in this medical query thinking, what would I be looking for if I typed this in? If you look at the information that's on our client's page, it's by far better 
than anything else that exists, including this post that got elevated above them. But you'd only know that if you took the time to read this many hundred word article that they've written. I'm talking about our client here. It's an excellent article. Every question that you have on the subject is answered in this article. And again, provided though that you want to read the whole thing. <laughs> so when, I, when we looked at the site that was elevated above us, the above the fold content on this page had a bulleted list of symptoms and side effects for uh, this particular medication. And essentially, it was a summary of the information that most searchers were looking for when they typed this keyword. And, and they made really good use of jump links uh, to say, you know, if you have this side effect, we've written more about it further down on the page here. Now, I'm not saying that absolutely every piece of content has to start with a table of contents or a bulleted list at the top, but this particular, for this query, it works really well. And I really think it captures users. So when you're asking yourself whether your content meets the needs of searchers, try to think of it from the perspective of somebody who's landed on your page and has just a few seconds to decide whether they're going to read your page or go back to the search results and click on another result. So our advice to this client is gonna be to make some design changes and to do all we can to convince readers who have just landed on this page that this is the page that answers their question. We're gonna start with a bulleted list, but our goal is not just to be as good as what currently is ranking above us. We need to think of other ways that we can convince readers that our content truly is the best of its kind. In some cases, images might help or headings. Good use of headings can really help, especially people really, really like to skim. So that could be good use of headings is something that can help a lot of sites uh, that saw traffic declines, either with the December core update or with one of these mini updates that I just listed um, uh, earlier. Um, one thing that I really want to do, and I think one day MHC will offer this, but we're a little ways away from this now, is focus groups and user testing. Uh, it's one thing if we as SEOs say, yeah, you need a heading here and you need a bulleted list here, and I don't know, maybe you need an image here, that would be helpful. But if you asked real searchers, hey, if you type this query and I told you you could only read one of these three pages, which would you choose? If you pay attention to what pages they choose and why, you can get a lot of really valuable information on what it is that searchers find valuable on your page. So February 6th, I really think was the start of something big. And then February 10th came out and that was when Google released passage-based ranking. And then I, I asked Annie Sullivan at the time whether the two were connected and he gave me kind of a convoluted answer, which was to say, well, yeah, passage-based ranking was on the 10th. He didn't deny that something happened on the 6th or even if it was related to the upcoming uh, passage-based ranking, but something definitely happened. A lot of websites were affected on that day, on February 6th. Another date where a lot of websites were affected was February 16th. I, I actually didn't talk about this in podcast when it happened because we actually didn't have that many sites in our profile affected. But since then, we've had several sites reach out to us, mostly authoritative websites, that saw big drops starting on February 16th. And then on February 19th, we started noticing that a great number of featured snippets were disappearing. Uh, Dr. Pete from Moz wrote about this, and we have some charts in newsletter that show that featured snippets started disappearing on the 19th of February, 
And then they started returning on the 11th of March. I'm going to talk a little bit more about these featured snippet changes in a second, but let's just finish this list here. For those of you who are wondering whether your traffic losses are connected to a Google update, uh, we also felt that February 20th and February 23rd were significant enough to analyze, but there's only so many hours in the day, so we haven't thoroughly analyzed those. And then Google did a local update that was apparently massive, February 24th to 25th. I used to pay very close attention to local updates, but we've decided recently to focus mostly on organic. Uh, just uh, So those of you who do local SEO, you probably saw some changes on the 24th. Unfortunately, I don't have a lot of information for you on what that was about. Um, my go-to advice, though, for anybody trying to learn local information is to go to the local search forum. It's run by Joy Hawkins of Sterling Sky, and they're actually real local SEO experts that do a really good job at answering people's questions about local SEO issues. So if you were affected by this local update, uh, you can find more information there about the types of things that happened. And I'm sure by now, Joy has published some things uh, about recommendations for recovery. Uh, and then we had another possible update on March 1st to March 3rd, um, March 5th to March 6th, and again, March 11th to March 13th, which is uh, the most recent that uh, may be connected to featured snippets returning. Uh, but again, we have a number of clients that saw changes, a lot of positive changes where we can't say uh, that this is related to featured snippets. I, I really can't see it. I know a bunch of you are saying, well, Google updates all the time. So why are we even bothering listing all these dates? It, it's I've been analyzing Google updates for 10 years now. And I'll tell you that these are not just minor, normal ranking changes. Something really big is happening. In the past, I used to make, it used to make a lot of sense for me to analyze every single update because if we could say, oh, well, sites that had problems with contradicting scientific consensus, well, if they were affected, then we could come up with advice for making your content more in line with scientific consensus. And we've talked about that extensively. We have a white paper that we sell that goes into great detail on how we can separate out content and how we recommend changing title tags and um, you know improving your references and other things like that uh, to improve your content quality and improve Google's assessment of whether you're in line with scientific consensus. But with these recent updates, every time we analyze the winners and losers, all we can say is just that the search results are just a little bit better. These updates are likely relevancy updates. And that's really hard to troubleshoot if you're trying to assess your own content. When I talked about that medical site that got outranked by a site that had a bulleted list at the top of their post, if you ask my client, I bet you they would say that the article that outranked them is spammy and nowhere near as good as theirs. It doesn't look nearly as nice as our client's post, and it has less information than our client has. But users don't know that until they've engaged with your page. And I really think that most users saw the bulleted list and were drawn because their answer was clearly on that page. So... We had a team meeting at MHC this week and talked about some of the more specific ways that we could be serving our clients by helping them to better meet the needs of users. I'll probably share a lot of that throughout the next few months as we go along. And so if you're listening to podcast, um, as we develop more ways to uh, kind of meet users' needs, and, and what I really want to do is find ways that scale a little bit, but it's very challenging. So as we figure this out, we'll share 
share more with you or I'll share more with you over the next few months. Alita Solis published a tweet poll this week asking people whether SEO was more challenging now for you than it was five years ago. I wonder what you'd say about that. Do you think that SEO is harder now than it was five years ago? I mean, forget the challenges that we have with working from home or uh, working in the midst of a pandemic. Of course, everything is more challenging now than, uh, than it has been in the past. Um, but in terms of what you need to do for an SEO, do you think that it's harder now? So uh, again, if you exclude the people who clicked on the option saying they just wanted to see results, it turns out that 60% of people in this poll said that SEO is harder for them now than it was five years ago. Again, I spoke about this a lot last week, but five years ago, if your site was affected by Panda, you'd know how to go after thin content. And if your site was affected by Penguin, you'd know to focus on links. But if your site was affected by some random unannounced but significant update on February 16th, 2021, what do you fix? If a client came to you with a massive drop on this day, you'd probably do a technical audit. And that has great value. You might work on fixing internal links or improving page speed or more specifically core web vitals. These are all very important parts of an SEO job that all have potential to help and improve a site's ability to rank. But I really think that if you dropped on one of the dates that I just mentioned, it's very unlikely to be fixed by getting your technical aspects of your site correct. As Google gets better and better and more advanced at understanding language, we really are going to find that truly the sites with the best content and the sites that have expertise and authoritativeness and trustworthiness are the ones that are going to rank well. So what can you work on if your site was affected? I'd say two things, EAT and improving on meeting the needs of searchers, which coincidentally are the two sliders that quality raters use when they assess a site. Uh, they assess every page based on the EAT, which is synonymous with page quality in the quality raters guidelines, and also on whether a searcher's needs have been met after they've typed this query. Improving on EAT and needs met is definitely harder than what many of us would do for SEO five years ago. So let's talk about these featured snippet changes. We mentioned last month that on February 19th, Dr. Pete from Moz noticed a big drop in the number of featured snippets that Google was producing. Glenn Gabe and also Lily Ray tweeted some examples of sites that were affected negatively on February 19th when the featured snippets disappeared and had all of those changes reversed starting March 11th when featured snippets, uh, the number started to go up again. So we do see that in a few of our clients, but we also have sites affected on both of those days that really didn't see a change in the number of featured snippets that they rank for. And they, I'm sure they didn't benefit from competitors losing featured snippets. We tried really hard to find that as, a, as an explanation for what Google was doing at this time. But I actually think Google did multiple things at this time. And this is going to be really frustrating to a lot of people. I've seen an uptick recently in the number of people who are asking me whether negative SEO via link spam is a thing lately. And I think what's happening is a lot of people are noticing that their traffic is declining and saying, well, there was no Google announced update. Maybe I should look at my links. And then when they look at their links, they see that they have all these spammy links from really unusual places. And you can understand why people might think that those links contributed to their traffic drops. But an important thing to understand is that almost every site 
has spammy links pointing at it, at least any site of consequence. We still do offer and recommend disavow work for some sites, but not if your only link problem is that you have an influx of spam. Uh, I'm actually going to be sharing at some point soon about how our philosophy on disavowing is changing. One of my tasks coming up soon is to sit down with my link auditors and my manual actions team, and we're going to have a thorough discussion on what we're seeing these days, on whether or not our disavow work is having a benefit, on how many manual actions we're seeing now, and coming up with uh, our most specific disavow advice for 2021 and beyond. So stay tuned for that. I'll just say, though, that if your traffic has declined in the last couple of months, in my opinion, it's very unlikely to be because of spammy links, and it's very unlikely that disavowing is going to help you. Instead, I'd start looking at individual posts on your website, individual articles and pages, and asking yourself, why are the sites ranking above me preferred to mine? Something I've really wanted to do, and I think we might have time for it soon, is to have you guys send me your pages on Twitter uh, that have declined with Google updates. And I'll give you my thoughts on why Google elevated a competitor above you. So stay tuned for that. Um, if you want to follow me on Twitter, I'm Marie underscore Haynes. I'm not sure if or when we'll do it. So don't be sending me your pages just yet. It kind of depends on how crazy Google is and whether my time's taken up with algo analysis or not. But uh, I do think it's something that would help me as well. If I look at pages that declined uh, during a, a Google update, then often we can find um, more information to just sort of tell us uh, what are the patterns? What are we seeing? Is it, is it obvious that Google has promoted something that is better for searchers? Um, so I, I'll tell you, and I've analyzed probably hundreds of keywords by now that were affected either with the December core update or with one of these little mini updates since then. And in every single case, it, it's evident that, uh, it's not that Google is suppressing sites. It's not like Google uh, is saying, oh, well, we're going to we're going to reduce the rankings on these sites because they have something wrong with them. It's more that one post has been elevated, which has pushed everybody else down. And when we look at that one post, it usually is uh, more relevant to the query than uh, what our current, our client that used to rank for that has. Let's talk about this very interesting article uh, that I read on Search Engine Journal. This is written by Jason Barnard. So Jason's company, Calicube, uh, does, has this really cool tool where they track changes to Google's knowledge graph. I've been paying more and more attention lately to the knowledge graph because I think really the answer to a lot of things that Google's doing lately really is connected to changes in the knowledge graph. The knowledge graph really is just a collection of things, of entities, and a whole bunch of connections in between them. And what I think is most important to Google is actually the associations between those entities, the connections themselves. There are apparently, as of May 2020, so like that's a year ago, there was apparently 500 billion facts on 5 billion entities in Google's knowledge graph. And I bet this number is, is much, much larger now. It's very, very big, the knowledge graph. I want to read to you an excerpt from a Google blog post this was written by Amit Singhal in 2012. And he's talking about Google's knowledge graph. This was an introduction to the knowledge graph is what uh, they produced. So I'm going to read a fair amount here because I find it very, very interesting. So here we go. Take a query like Taj Mahal. 
For more than four decades, search has essentially been about matching keywords to queries. To a search engine, the words Taj Mahal have been just that, two words. But we all know that Taj Mahal has a much richer meaning. You might think of one of the world's most beautiful monuments, or a Grammy award-winning musician, or possibly even a casino in Atlantic City, New Jersey, or depending on where you last ate, the nearest Indian restaurant. It's why we've been working on an intelligent model, in geek speak, a graph, that understands real-world entities and their relationships to one another. Things, not strings. I'm going to keep reading. The knowledge graph enables you to search for things, people, or places that Google knows about. Landmarks, celebrities, cities, sports teams, buildings, geographical features, movies, celestial objects, works of art, and more. And instantly get information that's relevant to your query. This is a critical first step towards building the next generation of search. Now keep in mind that this was written in 2012. Amit Singhal, who coincidentally wrote the uh, questions that we're supposed to ask ourselves about Panda, which really are essentially the same as Google's blog post on what core updates need to know, uh, what webmasters need to know about core updates. Amit Singhal has been very, very influential when it comes to uh, advancing Google uh, Google's capabilities when it comes to search. So I'm going to keep reading here. This is a critical first step towards building the next generation of search, which taps into the collective intelligence of the web and understands the world a bit more like people do. So let's talk about how exciting that is. Let's say I do a search for, does vitamin D help fight acne? I don't have an acne problem, but when I searched for does vitamin D help, this was one of the auto suggestions given to me. So when I do this search, the first article that I see is one from Healthline, and it mentions anti-inflammatory properties of vitamin D. And then there's a research article that studies vitamin D levels of people who have acne and those who do not. And then I can see an article from a site called Dermatology Times that links vitamin D deficiency with acne. These are all authoritative entities making connections between vitamin D deficiency and acne. Each one of these things is an entity. The condition of having acne itself is an entity. Vitamin D is an entity. And we don't know exactly how Google does it, but they can very easily see that there were a lot of associations in the knowledge graph between vitamin D and improvement of acne symptoms. As Amit Singhal's article says, I'm going to quote again, the knowledge graph also helps us understand the relationship between things. So if you're writing about how carrots cure cancer, but Google doesn't have any associations in their knowledge graph where other sites that they trust as authorities are also making that connection, this is not good. So why am I talking extensively about the knowledge graph? Because I actually think that many of the recent changes that we're seeing in Google's algorithm are not actually a change to the algorithm. Uh, I mean, I think they might be, but I think another more likely possibility is that what we're seeing are changes to the knowledge graph. And as Google gets more and more uh, understanding about entities, and especially the connections between those entities, they can do a better job at surfacing more relevant content which is what I think we've been seeing with recent updates as they all seem to improve relevancy. So let's go back to talk about Jason Barnard's article on the knowledge graph. 
again, his company tracks changes with the knowledge graph. And one interesting thing that he pointed out was that there was a big knowledge graph update on February 11th. This is one day after Google launched passage-based ranking. It wouldn't surprise me if passage-based ranking introduced all sorts of new things to the knowledge graph. Google got better and better at picking out the important entity information from sections of pages, even if those pages weren't well-structured with headings, and that would change the knowledge graph. Another thing that Jason mentioned is that the knowledge graph had very few updates uh, throughout the end of last year, but since February, it's been updating almost every two weeks or so. So that certainly fits with my thought that maybe many of these recent updates are happening because the knowledge graph grew. As Google learns more and more about entities and the associations between these entities, they're going to continually improve the relevancy of the search results. And unfortunately, there's no blanket fix for that. Uh, one of the questions I had asked of me after my SMX talk this morning was, what do you do if you have had thousands or if you have thousands or even millions of pages of mediocre content? How do you clean that up? You see, in the past, you, you could write an article that was essentially as good as everything that was currently published. And if you built enough links to that article, it could convince Google that it was better than what's currently published. I still think there's great value in getting links from authoritative places. Uh, if you were, if, if, if any of you are interested, we do have some connections with referral partners that we don't really call them link builders. We like to call them mention builders uh, that can help you get mentioned in authoritative places. You can read at, reach out to us at help at mariehaines.com, H-E-L-P at mariehaines.com if you want to be connected with one of those partners. Um, but really the thing that we need to, to know here is that there are many, many components to Google's algorithms. And I really believe that what has been happening lately is connected more to Google's understanding of things, understanding of language, understanding of what's in the knowledge graph, and especially understanding of associations between entities. Uh, hopefully that hasn't all been too confusing because uh, I guess what I'm trying to get at here is gone are the days, I think, where we could say, oh, this particular update targeted this. There will be some. In May, we're having a core web vitals update. And uh, we can say, all right, this targeted this. Although I really think that it's going to be an update that has very, uh, doesn't really have a lot of impact. We'll see. Um, so I think this is probably a good place to end this episode. I'm, I'm going to head back home. I'm, I haven't been, <laughs> I don't think I've been out of my house since Christmas. Uh, I, I started working in the office above uh, my garage and it's been fantastic. But when I need good internet for uh, a conference, I, I come into the office. So, uh, so I'm going to head back home. I'm going to play some Fortnite. The new season started yesterday and it is different. Uh, I haven't clutched a win yet, but the season's young. <laughs> I'm laughing because my team uh, was discussing this morning how young people these days, see, if you say young people, you're automatically old. How young people these days use the phrase coming in clutch. Uh, one of, uh, Bree wrote this in our newsletter, I think in the local section, there's something about Google coming in clutch, <laughs> uh, where old people like me would use the word handy. <laughs> I have never once in my life until this point uh, used the phrase coming in clutch, but this is my goal for this week. I want to speak more like a young person. 
All right. Thanks so much for listening to this episode. If you've enjoyed it and it's helped you in any way, I'd really appreciate if you can leave a like or a comment on whatever platform you're listening to. And if you're not subscribed, then certainly do subscribe. Uh, And every week I produce my thoughts on uh, what we think Google is doing and how you can improve your website to come out on the right side of a Google algorithm update. Um, I hope you've enjoyed this episode and I wish you the best of luck with your rankings. 